brought all these guys in from Stanford and Ole Miss and elsewhere that they can keep more eyes on this group and have more groups going at one time. And like you said, getting the technique right, getting their strength built back up, because that's one thing we've complained about with our offensive line, especially the last few years, is they just look so overmatched strength-wise, matched up against Miami's defensive line, Florida's defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, getting getting their strength ups and, and their techniques up off the field and on the field is huge for this offensive line and the rest of the team. Hey, guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dolls. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Dion Primetime Sanders. Great Dion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder, Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan from Hear the Spear, presented to you by Noel Game Day. We are here this evening on Thursday. Just me and Austin tonight. We're on a little date right now, Austin. Yeah, Valentine's was a week ago, but you know, we're making up for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, we're recording now. We're going to talk a little bit about football. We actually have a special guest, Jackie Sinelli, to come on and talk a little bit about softball. Uh, we're also going to jump into a lot of basketball, obviously, uh, and recap FSU's another home game win for them, as usual, it seems like. Um, and then we'll go over a couple questions you guys sent us via Twitter. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, if you're on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Even if you're on iTunes or anywhere else, make sure you hit that subscribe button because then you'll be able to know whenever we upload a new episode. Um, and as always, like I said, I'm going to read out our latest five-star reviews from the iTunes app. So I'll go ahead and do that. Now we actually had quite a few, so I'll probably do one or two here. Uh, this is coming on this. Actually, this is from Monday. This is from T Ville Noel, and he titles it as great. Listen, five stars. I really enjoyed listening to Carlos and James who cares if it was too long. I always listen to a lot of FSU related pods, which includes this one. This particular interview was awesome. So thank you T Ville Noel. Like I said, Rate the podcast five stars, and you might have a chance for us to shout out uh, your review. Appreciate that, T-Bill Noel. Um, but let's go ahead and bring Austin back in here. What's going on, man? Good evening. Yeah, good evening, man. Shout out Dustin for being too soft to be on the podcast. Yeah, so Dustin's acting like he's sick. He's been acting like it for close to a week now. Um, I he think says I, yeah, yeah, that's what he texted me personally. Um, I actually didn't respond to him for like eight hours, so he probably thinks I don't care about him. <laughs> um, but, but he was putting in a lot of work like two weeks before and the week of National Signing Day, so he was just bound to get something. And going to class, too, at FSU, you're at least one time a semester you're going to catch onto something. So uh, he's sick. And I think, you know, and shout out to all the listeners, too. We had our biggest 
listened to podcasts. We had the most downloads ever from Hear the Spear on our last episode with James Wilder Jr. and Carlos Williams. So I think the fact that he knew that we had the most listens ever and that the podcast is doing pretty pretty well right now, I think he I think the fame has gotten to him, Austin. Yeah, he's gotten way too big for his head. I'm gonna need people to calm him down a little bit. He doesn't even edit articles anymore. <laughs> yeah, now now it's now it's on me. So um, yeah, Dustin, we hope to see you again soon. If not, we're just gonna go and give Austin the title for uh, Hear the Spear FSU trivia. So that's just how it's gonna work. But yeah, as all get it anyways. yeah, you're you're gonna get it anyways. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I say we jump in a little bit of stuff and I'll just go and say it. Thank you guys so much for listening to the last episode. We are, we definitely listened to you and I got a lot of DMS about it and we most certainly will try to do having a dual pod with former Knowles on too. And maybe they're same positions. I think it worked out really well. And James and Carlos were awesome. We're already in the works of getting a part two together, but definitely I'm already in the works of getting another couple guys in on and let them just converse. I think having former Knowles just talk together and, and talk about stories. They obviously have tons of them. Uh, I, I, I think that's something that we're going to try to do more. So I appreciate you guys listening and welcome if you're new. All right, let's jump into football stuff. Uh, there's not a whole ton. It's kind of like a quiet time before we get into spring practice here in a couple weeks. Uh, but big news coming out yesterday on Wednesday, AJ, uh, AJ Litton, uh, is no longer with the team. This was uh, this news was broken by 247 Sports yesterday. Uh, AJ Litton is a junior defensive back. He played quite a little bit of time. Uh, he appeared in 12 games last uh, season, and he started one game. Um, he had 14 tackles, uh, one for loss, and he had one forced fumble. But you know, we saw some signs of him, and we were expecting him to play quite a bit this upcoming season. Um, and also, you know, you have Stanford Samuels leaving, uh, and, you know, trying to go pro, uh, Litton will have a chance, would have a chance to jump up and get a lot of playing time, but AJ Litton is no longer on the team. Uh, and there was, uh, I think there's rumblings and there was rumors straight off the bat that this might've came from the mat drills that Norvell and coach storm are running and that there seemed to be some kind of disagreement and Litton left. Uh, and then, um, he just pr- practically said that he's not coming back. He didn't want to come and continue and, and, and compete in the mat drills. And, uh, I'm guessing they had a chat in the office afterwards and it seems like maybe they decided to split, um, split ways. So that, that that's pretty interesting news. Uh, awesome. Like I said, cause we were expecting to see him get some playing time this upcoming season for sure. Yeah, I was really surprised because I was at work and I think I saw it in our crew chat first and I was like, well, that's interesting because he does have a lot of potential. He has played played quite a bit uh, last season and even a little bit as a freshman, not a ton. But he has a ton of potential and we thought he was going to really shine in a what should be a pretty good cornerback group. Um, but now a lot of a lot more uh, attention is going to go to Akeem Dent and Green and Asante Samuel and these guys and if they can step up and replace the production he might have had, that's going to be huge. But on the same, on the flip side, if he's not willing to put in the work, then he shouldn't be here in the first place. So credit to Norvell for saying, no, we're sticking to it. Yeah, and, you know, it was a shock to also, you know, fans, but also to current players on the team. Uh, Robert Cooper um, talked about it. I, there was another player. Who am I missing here, Austin? There was one right off the bat. I, I, mm, I cannot remember. Ah, 
I remember Durden. Uh, I don't remember who the other one was, although yeah, I saw it. I know, and it's, the tweet's now removed. Um, but another another current, uh, right off the bat, once the news broke on Twitter, a lot of players were talking about it, and then Corey Durden also made his statement, uh, and uh, that was removed, what, 15 minutes after he tweeted it. Um, he was stating that uh, he wasn't a big fan of what happened and, and Litton being sent uh, bye-bye from Mike, Norve- Mike Norvell and staff. So I'm sure they probably had a pretty good conversation this morning. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, I imagine every defensive coach had a conversation with Durden, specifically probably Coach Higgins, mm-hmm. um, since that is his group. But yeah, I imagine he got quite the earful when he came in this morning. Yeah, I would imagine too, because, you know, and we'll get into it. Things are changing here. I mean, uh, from what we've heard, and we've had past guys on that were under Jimbo and then also under Willie Tag. We had Nooney Murray on here, and he was straight up with us and said, you know, it's a whole 180 from the way practices are. Uh, how strict it is and, and how more friendly Willie Taggart was. Um, and a lot of players, you know, maybe coming in under Willie Taggart and came to, re- to commit under Taggart aren't really used to what maybe the strictness was in, in past years under Fisher, like the other guys that were recruited by Fisher were. Um, I know Keith Gavin has mentioned it on uh, other places, other networks talking about, you know, he didn't come to play at Florida State with Willie Taggart. He came with Jimbo Fisher, and he stated that it was just not as – um, didn't seem so organized like it used to be, uh, and it wasn't as strict. It wasn't the discipline wasn't there, uh, and Taggart was too friendly, too nice, too sweet, and let guys get away and slap on the wrist and keep moving on. Um, and I, it seems like things are starting to change here, and you're about to start seeing some players that might have been too used to what Willie Taggart was bringing to the table and just a little slap on the wrist and a little tap on the helmet, which you would see on national television and and games where if you're screwing up and you screwed up multiple times and you're just getting a tap on the helmet and you get to be put back out there on the field. We saw that with Dontavious Jackson too. Um, And there's not really a punishment made uh, or not as severe enough than you know, these players have just gotten used to maybe what Willie Taggart had brought. And, you know, obviously, I, I, I think there's going to be some, I think there'll be a, a few more players that are, are no longer on this team before we, or a little bit into, the, by the time we get through a little bit of spring, I, I don't think you're going to see, you know, there's going to be some shakeup, I believe. And it, it's super needed, especially the strict attitude that Norvell's bringing in. Like you were said, or like you said, and like Carlos and James were saying on the pod last time, these guys are, too used to being able to do what they want with not many repercussions. And it translated to the on-the-field product. Simple penalties like jumping off sides and false starts and misalignments offensively that these things should be corrected if there's enough discipline, but there just wasn't. Um, so if something like this is going to open a lot of eyes on the roster going, you know, I got to get my, I got to get my stuff together. Otherwise I may not be on this team. <laughs> but on the other hand, there's going to be a couple guys like, well, if that guy's gone, why I go too? Um, I agree. I think there's going to be a couple more guys that are gone before the end of spring. Um, where they come from, who knows? But we still need a couple offensive linemen to ground transfer in. So hopefully that's what they're opening <laughs> up for. There's a. Uh, it, it seems 
<clears throat> and you hope like things like this. So obviously, Durden deleted the tweet, uh, and you hope that they'll be able to talk in the office. I don't know if there's any kind of punishment or whatnot, but uh, you would hope that they'll be able to get on the same track and obviously you know norvell straight off the bat he was from what i think he was doing at least i think for a few guys he was kind of like you're probably not gonna be playing as much or i don't really like your style of play either you might want to transfer or you want might want to go to the pros um and uh i think i think that's something that norvell was kind of doing also in the recruiting rooms and when they get, you know, when they're talking to you in the room and kind of just being straight up with you. Um, and I think a few recruits have even stated that he's very, he's true straight to the point uh, and he doesn't want to BS you. He wants to look out for you more than anything. Uh, and, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if he's that tough, you know, just not going to really give a shit. You know, if you're really going to not be there and compete and be ready for it uh, and, and be ready to hold that standard here at Florida State, which has a huge weight on it, then get your ass out of here. So uh, A.J. Linton's no longer on the team. We'll see if there's some kind of if there's any more news out of that, any kind of rumblings we might hear. We will discuss that on the next podcast, of course. But. Uh, it seems like some things are shaken up and, you know, it, it's way more of a strict policy. It's straight up. I mean, it's easy to tell it's way more strict policy than what Willie Taggart had. I mean, uh, and that's how it is. One thing that I've been pretty interested in viewing and always am during the offseason is checking out the strength and conditioning videos that they'll post. And also the coaching staff and Coach Storms will also put up on Twitter. Uh, and there, there's quite a bit of interesting things I'm starting to take away from. And I'll let Austin to talk about it. But. Uh, there's been a few guys that I think are putting in quite a bit of work. I'd, I'd like to look at LeBourne too. I know there's a lot of speculation there has been since even we were in the middle of the season, but Kalen LeBourne running back who should be your starting running back heading into the season next, uh, and, and, uh, August, September, uh, he has put in a lot of work. I've heard really good things about him. He obviously went through some minor surgery too, uh, and he's, he's recovering well from that. Um, and I also am really looking at how their how Coach Storms is running the workouts and most certainly in the gym and how they are lifting. Uh, it seems like they're going and sets all together at the same time. Pretty interesting. Um, and also I'm seeing a lot of good technique, a lot of good form, because really you start your foundation off with your form and how you do it. You, you, you can – you can get strong and whatnot, but if you want to stay safe and get those extra muscles initiated and built, form is key, man. I, whenever I was in high school, I would do squats, and you know, I, I could squat a good amount, but was I going all the way parallel and put my ass uh, as far as I could and like deep squats? That's something that Coach Storms I can see uh, is pushing hard for, and, and I've seen better form than what I was seeing. Uh, the last couple of seasons when we were watching videos from Coach O. And I think that plays a big effect in how you, not only you work out and how you build muscle, but how you work later on out on the field and how that translates. And it helps having so many assistant strength coordinators as well. They brought all these guys in from Stanford and Ole Miss and elsewhere that they can keep more eyes on this group and have more groups going at one time. 
And like you said, getting the technique right, getting their strength built back up, because that's one thing we've complained about with our offensive line, especially the last few years, is they just look so overmatched strength-wise, matching up against Miami's defensive line, Florida's defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, getting getting their strength ups and, and their techniques up off the field and on the field is huge for this offensive line and the rest of the team in general. Yeah, that – that it plays such a big part. And, you know, we were seeing Cam Akers last uh, offseason squatting more than the offensive line. And that shouldn't be happening. I mean, I the know. Starting offensive line. <laughs> yes, the, the starting offensive line. And I, I understand Cam Akers for sure is most certainly a different type of athlete. And it's going to show when he goes to the combine. He's just a freak of nature. He really works himself out and he does a really good job. But, sorry, I mean, your offensive linemen that weigh at least 150 pounds, 100, 120, I don't know. I'm not the great weight kind of guy over here scaling-wise, but at least 125, 150 pounds more than Cam Akers, and they're squatting less than him. I don't understand that. <laughs> and that I, I And that obviously, you know, like Austin said, the focus on bringing not only Coach Storms from Memphis, who's very respected, but also – supplying guys around him that has have had success uh, from Stanford. Obviously, think of Stanford. Offensive line, big boys, meet, strong. Uh, you got Coleman coming from uh, uh, Ole Miss who worked out uh, DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown, who are by far this last season, Austin, correct me if I'm wrong, were the two best rookie wide receivers last season. Um, yeah, they're up there for sure. Basically. Um and both went into the playoffs, blah, 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 blah. But obviously you think about the picture that went viral and we've posted multiple times about how big these cats are. DK Metcalf is like a different animal. Um, but yeah, got, yeah, I, I'm just kind of, you know, it, it's obviously, you know, maybe it's just because there's not much else going on, but I always try to like see who's, I, I also saw true Thompson three fifty five front. We're talking, all right, 355. Okay, that's, that's all right, 355, squatting, blah, blah, blah. You put that on a front squat, and he was practically deep squatting. He was probably just, he thought he was regularly deep squatting, but that, that was a deep front squat he did. Perfect form. That's a, that's a monster. He could probably max around 385. Uh, if it was regular squat, he's definitely in the four, four, 400 plus range. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, Briggs is looking good. I think he's going to be a sleeper guy coming into the season next year, um, into this upcoming season. I can't say next year anymore. Coming up this season, um, Kando's in there, which is a good sign, putting in work. Um, trying to think who else I'm missing out on. Um, da, 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 da. I know everybody wants to see offensive linemen put in the work, too. Uh, let's see going through this video here of what we got. And supposedly Storms is the only one to put uh, clips out of players that are putting in some real friggin' work. And I'm glad he's Good. having an input on all that, too. Yeah. I like that Fagan here. So I'm pretty much can name who Storms is actually impressed with. Fagan here, great form. Yeah, Kalen LeBourne, which is a good sign. Asante's right there, of course, talking. He never stops talking, I don't think. <laughs> you got to <laughs> be up. Five nine or however tall he is, you got to talk. Yeah, you do, and I love it. I love it. Um, and Corbin here at the end, he's doing some stretching here. Obviously, a lot of fans 
and people are worried about his recovery. But yeah, Briggs, Briggs is Briggs is a big boy. Dennis Briggs. Um, starting to think he might be a sleeper pick here coming up this season. But yeah, that, I just want to kind of go over that. Uh, not a lot of football stuff to talk about and chat about, but Linton's gone. And real quick, Emmett Rice, who I am will stay high on. I like big hitters, physical mm-hmm. guys. Emmett Rice is going to change his number and go to number one. Thoughts on that, Austin? I love it. I love when defense, defensive linemen and linebackers go with some really weird number. Like Marvin wearing 21 is awesome. Durden yeah. wearing 16 is awesome. Jernigan wearing 8 was awesome. So having Emmett Rice wear number one, a, it shows me he's emerging as a leader if he's going to number one. And B, he's he's I think he's going to be my favorite player on defense this year, and he really stepped up towards the end of last season. Yeah, he is. And I actually uh, chatted with him leaving class. <laughs> so I can say that I was, I was leaving class, and uh, he said he wants to get in that 225 range. He's, at two, it's li- he's listed at 220 right now, so I wouldn't be surprised if he goes 225 to 230 by the end of the spring. We'll keep it on, and definitely during the summer. Uh, but I almost didn't notice him at first because he's put on uh, more muscle. He always has been kind of like a smaller cat, if you think linebacker-wise. But uh, he's he's put on some weight, and I think, like you said, the little the uh, single digits. I think about also like Timmy Jernigan, who came in with number eight, and he used it as Loco Ocho. Uh, Christian Jones wearing number seven. Yep, that's uh, a good example. Yeah, so number one is pretty interesting. I don't remember the last. Someone's going to have to tell us who wore number one as a linebacker at FSU. I can't remember. And we were telling, me and Austin were talking about Tyler Hunter before we recorded, but he was obviously a DB. He would sometimes come down. But um, obviously Levante Taylor had number one during his go around here at Florida State during his career. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously, also got to think too. You don't just get the number one like that. You got to talk to the coaches. They got to be able to say yes, that's a go ahead. Uh, I think Norvell likes them. Adam Fuller obviously does, and Chris Marv. They had to give. I would think they had to give him the go ahead uh, to, ha- to rep that number one. And I like it. Big hitter uh, Rice is going to make his switch to Uno um, for this spring at least. We'll see if it translates and goes to the fall. Uh, what I think we should do right now is bring in Jackie Sinelli. She is going to come on and talk about softball and their start to the season. I also want to get her and pick her brain on predictions on how the season will go for them uh, after coming off of a, of a tough tournament this last weekend. And I also want to get some thoughts also on on uh, FSU softball's coach uh, Alameda. I'm always terrible with names. <laughs> Hopefully I said that right. <laughs> Almeida, Almeida. I'm going to get shot, I'm sure, but... Um, I want to bring her on and me and Austin will talk a little bit about softball here because you know, this is a really good team that always, that always produces. And I want to get her thoughts on where this team might go this upcoming season. All right. So this is going to be the first time that I think we're actually going to focus on a little bit more than just football and basketball, definitely not baseball. That, that, that's all the way last. But softball, we're going to bring up. And we actually have a good guest. One of my friends for a long while now from Twitter, also Austin's. We've known each other for a long time. Jackie Sinelli coming from at you already know. No affiliate. She just wants to have the Twitter clout go up. <laughs> She's joining us this evening. We're going to talk a little about softball and where she might think this team will go. And also recap this past weekend and look ahead. What's going on, Jackie? What's up? What's going on, guys? 
We're here yeah. to learn. I think we're more here. To, I mean, we, we did a little bit of homework, but we're here more to learn about the team than anything. Yeah. I, I think love when people say that. I love that. <laughs> yes, because honestly, you don't see a lot of other outlets. I mean, some outlets will, of course. I mean, softball team now earns a lot of people being able to report on it. But uh, yeah. I think we've got to do a lot more it's in our justice to actually, you know, soccer. Women's soccer is always phenomenal year in, year right. out. Softball, obviously, right. with Coach Almeida, which we'll get into. But uh, I kind of want to just straight off get your thoughts because we talked for a little bit here on Here the Spear about FSU's uh, weekend op- uh, opener or season weekend opener, and uh, they obviously – were pretty successful during that. Uh, but this past weekend too, they had a kind of a rough time, but what are, what are your kind of just initial thoughts so far uh, coming from this team and about them? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously not the weekend that they were looking for. Uh, they went one and four played a lot of really good teams though. And I think the expectations were very high, especially after, you know, run rolling the number one team in the country in Alabama so I think there's a lot of expectations going into this tournament, especially after going 5-0 and in this tournament last year, um, after we were defending national champs. So the expectations were very high, and so I think coming out of it 1-4, and four, a lot of people were like, all right, what's going on? Like, what, you know, what's, what, what are we doing differently this time around? And I'll just say this. Um, I'll start with we're not the same team we were last year going into this tournament. Uh, we lost our ace pitcher who holds records at Florida State. Uh, we had four other seniors that graduated. So from the very start, like back when I had previewed the season, I had said we have a very young team. Um, they're not seasoned yet. We have two transfers coming in. So a lot of it is new experiences. And a lot of the first couple tournaments that we play in are going to be about testing out different players in different positions to see who's going to be in that lineup later in the season. So, and that's honestly how it was from the start, but beating North Carolina and then beating Alabama twice, including a run rule was kind of like, okay, whoa, maybe we are ready. Maybe we don't need that, you know, experience builder. Um, But I think this past weekend was kind of a wake up call that, okay, I think emotions were very high. We were playing at home the very first weekend. Uh, Lots and lots of fans were there. Uh, They were sold out at home. And I think coming in with a lot to prove, they did very well that first weekend. And then this past weekend kind of showed what we had expected for that first weekend. So a lot of it was, um, I mean, we played number one, Washington, number two, UCLA, Minnesota was 13. Northwestern was in the 20s somewhere. Um, And the only non-ranked team we played was Liberty, who actually had been playing all these SEC teams their first weekend. So they had experience against good teams. So really we played five good teams uh, this weekend. And unfortunately we did come out one and four, but we did learn a lot of things. Coach Alameda definitely, you know, kept with her strategy of I'm going to play all these players in different positions. I'm going to get all the young girls in there. Unfortunately we had a freshman catcher playing half the tournament because of Shelnut's injury. Um, But she kind of stuck with it. So we played UCLA number two on Sunday night and we had six girls out of nine girls on the field who were first years with us, wow. whether it was a transfer or a freshman. So it was, and we had, you know, Lizzie Mason sitting out who she's one of our leader, like one of our juniors, our upperclassmen on the team. So it really just shows that coach Lonnie knows 
the next time we play this kind of competition, it's going to be in the postseason when the wins really matter. So she says that she's going to get all the freshmen, all the new girls in there, get them that experience. That way, when it comes time to play these kind of teams again, it's not their first time. We don't make those mental mistakes that we had made this weekend. So I think that I good coaches notice that. And I think a lot of the fans that come to games and follow the softball team really understood what coach was doing. Um, they had a booster event on Saturday night over at Shepherds in Clearwater. And I was coach, I was talking to coach T will. And I said, look, the real fans, the real softball fans that are here, you know, that pay attention to everything. Like we get it. We know what's going on. Like no one is stressing it. The only people who are stressing it are the ones who just look at wins and losses. Um, but I really like what they did coming into this tournament. They had, I would say out of, out of the four losses we had, there was one or two that I would say were actually bad losses. Um, the game we played against UCLA, you couldn't have asked for a better loss. <laughs> I mean, I know we joke about quality losses, but we really pitched and played so good. We had a true freshman start pitching that game against the defending national champions, and she looked great. And then Santa Claus came in, looked great. So I think uh, the general outcome of this weekend, I'm not worried about the future of this team. Um, even one of the players said it Sunday night when we were leaving the fields, we're going to win when it matters. Um, so yeah, just, I, I, I really like how coach Alameda puts those young players in those big situations to get them ready for postseason ball. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that right there for a lot, a lot of our listeners are mainly football, of course, but also right. basketball for the analysis there. But I think you're also, which I think we should discuss, there's a lot in it. I include myself, Austin, too, most certainly Dustin. But a lot of us have kind of been so focused in on, of course, the main sport with football. And we've kind of all been more of a big follower of basketball and whatnot. But softball and and soccer continue to produce every season. And I think that talks a lot about Coach Almeida and how she is. But kind of just tell us and definitely listeners that might not know much about her. I've interacted her with her multiple times and it's been great. And you can tell how focused she is and she's just down to earth and, you know, you can be friends with her right off the bat. Um, But she seems to be also a a pretty damn tough coach too. Uh, Obviously find success out there, but tell us a little bit about her and maybe what makes her so successful with those players. Right. So that's kind of a big question that other coaches have about Coach Lonnie. It's how do you get these players to do so well for you? How do you get them to get these big comeback wins? Uh, their nickname was Cardiac Kids two years ago when they won the national championship because they had so many big comeback wins. Um, it's a team that has so much heart, never gives up. And that's that's not always something that you can coach. So a big thing for Coach Lonnie, and this is just from what I've seen, I've been watching the team for since she's been a coach for 12 years now, and it's kind of the trust that she instills in her players. Last year we went to that Clearwater tournament and we had a true freshman pitch against Oklahoma, who was at the time considered a top three team in the country. Uh, Like I said, this year against UCLA, we had six new players starting against them. So it's kind of just, she has so much confidence in her players, no matter if they're upperclassmen, lowerclassmen, and she has a lot of fun with them. Um, I haven't, seeing the tough side of her because that's usually stuff you see behind the scenes at practice that kind of thing but I I've honestly I can say like every time that I've met her every time that I've seen her coach like you don't really see her without a smile on her face like and she's very very grateful for where she's at so I think a lot of the gratitude that she has um really shows on the field with the players 
um, it kind of is one of those domino effects. Like if your coach is this big, like positive person, and then you're going to want to play for that kind of person. And people want to play for her, which is why she has the number one recruiting class going into next year that I'm very excited about. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's something else, you know, some people who don't follow softball, we do have the number one recruiting class coming into next year, which is very exciting because this past year, I believe we were a number eight in recruiting rankings and you've seen how good the freshmen have done. So just imagine even more coming next year. Um, but yeah, so you have coach Alameda and then you have coach Travis Wilson, who is also, they've been coaching together for a while now. And then the new coach TCAM, they just are so fluid together and they work really well together. They release podcasts. Like they just have so much fun with their job and they love what they do. And I think players see that and that's, that's what they want to work for. That's what they want to play for. So um, it's funny. I saw her this weekend at the booster event and I had mentioned to her that I had met her in Atlanta back when Alabama and Florida state played a football game against each other. She was at the game and I ran into her um, at the college football hall of fame. We went the day before the game and she was super nice. Like didn't mind sitting there and like talking to me. And at the booster event Saturday, I told her about it and she said, sit there and talk to me. Like I was somebody she knew um, after the game, we saw her. And then on Saturday, we were kind of standing in the rain a little bit, waiting for the game to start. And she was walking back from the bullpen, came up to my parents and said, thank you so much for coming out and watching us um, through this weather and everything. You guys are awesome. And of course, my dad's like, no, coach, you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I just think it comes down to like, y you want to play good for a coach that you really love. And I can speak from personal experience that plays a huge role in it. And she just shows so much confidence in those girls and wants to get them ready and all the life lessons that she instills in them. And I think that's really what it is. I know a lot of people are obviously looking at, you know, most people will maybe some that don't follow softball as much, but like you explained earlier, I mean, coming off a kind of a rough weekend, but also, I mean, looking down the list, we have a screenshot in here and, and what these teams were in, like you said, facing the previous national champions, defending national champions, uh, that whole lineup right there, that is a stacked tournament. And yeah. you noted on also how young and how many young uh, players are coming in and playing. These girls are coming straight off the bat and having to play some of the best teams in the country. Yep. Uh, and I'll just straight up and ask you, should FSU fans be worried whatsoever or, you know, this kind of things, once she figures out where these pieces will go, uh, they'll kind of fit together and they'll, they'll make maybe another run here. So I'll, I'll start with this. Like I said, last year in that Clearwater tournament, we went five and oh, run rule two top 10 teams, and we didn't even make it to the world series last year. Uh, so it just goes to show softball and even baseball it's all about who's hot at the right time so to be worried at the beginning of the season um it's you shouldn't be <laughs> they, mm -hmm. they have a lot of good competition which is really good in softball obviously they have to win some of these games a lot of these games to get a good seed going into the tournament um, but with that said you just gotta have momentum going into that tournament and so i think playing all these good teams early on in the season is kind of what prepares you for that then you get into the ACC play, which starts around end of March, I believe. And then you have all those three-game series. Um, they play Florida a couple times, who always has a great team on the field. And ACC softball has definitely picked up. Uh, you have Clemson in their inaugural season right now. who They're doing pretty good. Virginia Tech has been playing good. North Carolina, Louisville. So they'll definitely be facing conference competition, too, which doesn't happen often. Um, I believe Notre, Notre Dame is also in there. So... I wouldn't say anyone needs to be worried because these are 
these are the games that you know you're supposed to learn all your lessons in. Uh, UCLA came in and went five and zero in this tournament, and it makes you wonder. They were in the same situation we were in last year, where we went five and zero in that tournament, coming off a national championship, which is exactly what they did. So, I don't think anyone should be worried about this team. They are very talented, as you saw in week one. You know that they can do it because they did do it. And so, to base it off of one weekend is. Uh, <laughs> Not a good idea because they, they'll definitely pick it up going into the middle of the season. Um, and you'll see that team you saw in the first weekend, you'll see them again. And they'll get some momentum going into that tournament. And I think it'll really work out for us. Yeah, that's how I kind of feel too. I don't, I'm not too – I wouldn't be too so worried about it. I know some people are like, oh, well, well we really need – I guess we're just going right. to let basketball have the season. and. <laughs> right. I know. It's such a busy, busy time because you have – you know, you had National Signing Day and then you had – basketball's in the middle of their season then baseball and softball start at the same time so you have all these sports kind of doing all this stuff at the same time and a lot of people lose sight and they can't exactly follow every sport so in depth so they see oh softball went one and four like what the heck what's going on (laughs) especially after the two seasons we just had where we were really good and started out really good so so yeah for those who can't exactly follow softball so in depth as they do with basketball and football and all that it's understandable I mean it's a lot of stuff um, but no, there's no reason to worry. I really think I'm really confident in this team that the potential they have is unreal. And then, yeah, I really think we'll have momentum going into that tournament. Real quick, I want to get your thoughts on a few you you mentioned it early on about younger players coming in. But also overall, who are some players that are kind of standing out early on in this first two weeks of the season that you think will be uh, make a big effect on the team as a whole when it gets into the end of the season and hoping to look for a postseason run. Yeah, so, I mean, I could I could name off veterans. You know, Sydney Sherrill obviously is doing her thing. Cassidy Davis is hitting unreal right now. Um, she's doing really good at the plate. But if I could name some of the younger girls, I would have to go with either Kirsten Landers in the leadoff position had a monster first weekend batting almost 600 um stealing bases whether she was bunning hitting whatever it was she was getting on base anyway scoring runs um so I really think you know she didn't have the best weekend this past weekend but nobody really did I mean there was a couple games where we only had two or three hits in the game so to single her out or anything wouldn't be right um so I really think that she'll be she'll be our stud I earlier in my preview earlier in the season I had said that she would be our breakout player this year and she's She's uh, proven me right so far, so that's nice. Um, and also, Devin Flaherty is really, really starting to show as someone who is going to be a four-year starter, um, a stud all four years that she's here. They have her playing second, short, first, and left field. I think they had her in the outfield just because they need her bat in the lineup. And she's a true freshman. Landers is a redshirt freshman. But just those girls coming in and just making a difference day one um, is really exciting because especially Flaherty being a utility and just – going wherever we need her to go, which is really awesome. And then you have Josie Muffley, who transferred from Tulsa this year. She is starting to show that she can come up in big situations, um, stealing bases, making really good plays at shortstop. So I would say those three are ones that maybe people don't necessarily know about. Like Cheryl, everyone knows, Sydney Cheryl, Danny Morgan, Cassie Davis. They're all doing what seniors do, and they're all, you know, playing the way that we would expect them to. But as far as people – People maybe 
don't know Muffley and Landers and Flaherty. Those are the three names I would say are going to come up big, especially come postseason time. And real quick to kind of end this off, we're, we're going to look ahead now to an upcoming week tournament. Um, and once again, we talked about even before we started recording, you know, Baylor might not be ranked in here, but you said that they're a pretty good team coming in. Obviously, you're going to be facing off against number 24, uh, Arkansas 2. Uh, and this is in the Pig Classic, also going to end off on Sunday against Villanova. I forgot to mention on Friday also, uh, like in that evening, I'm guessing they're going to be facing off against Kent State. But yeah. looking ahead to this weekend, you think they're kind of going to be, you know, a little bit more focused heading into this one and, and fired up maybe, and uh, obviously a good game on the SEC Network on Saturday facing off number 24, Arkansas. Yeah, so they have um, UCF on Wednesday. It's kind of, they had a 10-day break between this Clearwater tournament um, and then they have the UCF game. Then you come into the weekend and you have, you play Baylor twice, uh, Kent State, Arkansas, Villanova, every team in that tournament that we're going to play has a winning record right now. Um, competition, yes, can be looked at, you know, Kent State 7-3, and three, but they're probably playing teams at their level. Um, but with Baylor, they're an 8-2 and two team, and they hit the crap out of the ball. And I actually saw them run rule Auburn in the beginning of the season in their opening tournament. So, and then Arkansas, obviously, I mean, they play in the SEC, which in softball is pretty dominant. And so anytime you have an 8-1 and one record in a really good conference, you're doing pretty good. So, yeah, so facing, again, facing that competition right away, but these aren't necessarily conference games, so you're still going to see that same thing that Coach Alameda was, was doing this past weekend with against all these top 10 teams. You'll see it again this weekend, um, moving the girls around, and then, you know, after that we have, I want to say, a few few games that we have that are not as intense. Um, obviously, you want to treat every team like it's, like the same, but <clears throat> and then we have Florida, but this, this next weekend that's coming up, uh, it's the 28th through the first, definitely going to play some good competition. Definitely going to be an awesome opportunity to see who's going to come up big. And then I really think after that tournament, we will kind of see who's going to be in that lineup for conference time. Um, obviously coach Lonnie is known for moving players around like crazy, you know, in softball, you never have a set nine that play every game, but you'll see who's going to kind of take over and be in that position. Pretty, pretty stable. So I'm really excited to see it. Like I said, Baylor has a really good offensive team. Um, Arkansas is always, always pretty good. And then Villanova, you know, it'll be a, a definitely a competitive competition for us. And I'm excited to see how we perform against them. So Austin and when I talk to Dustin, we need to obviously do a little bit more homework on softball. All right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we we actually do most certainly because um, I kind of want to get to know, learn more about this team more than anything before it gets to the postseason where everybody gets involved. Right. But right. Um, and that's why I hope we can have Jackie on too. Maybe throughout the season, maybe I can talk her into it. You know, we're been friends, <laughs> and obviously Dustin. I, listen. I grew up obsessed with softball, right? And yeah. I like, and I follow all the teams, like not just FSU. Like I follow college. And you have softball experience, and you have experience yes. playing softball. So I like the fact that like people are asking me now to talk about softball is like so exciting. So no, I, anytime I, I, you guys want me on, like I will do it. Like I think I think it's also phenomenal that you're actually very good at analyzing and also talking about not only you know you're talking about it on Twitter, but also coming onto a podcast and talking about yeah. it. And it's not an easy thing. I have. 
I'm terrible at podcasts. I'm terrible at talking. I hate. I, I know. I'm not the greatest, but you know, having <laughs> you come on and actually talk, I think it's a it's a true. I think it's a good talent, and uh, we actually would love to have you come back on and analyze throughout the rest of the season if we can. If we're nice enough, we'll have to be on our best yeah. behavior. But um, <laughs> we'll yeah, get you on. And sure. I met I met your dad. I met your family too. So yeah. They were great. I know. I remember. I remember at the tailgate, and then like your dad came or something, and you guys oh, left. Yeah. My mom was like, "What was his name again?" And I was like, "Logan." She's like, "He's so nice." And I was like, "Yeah, he is. He's a good guy." I was on my. I was on my best. He got her food already. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was on my best behavior then, but yes, we most yeah. certainly would love to have you back on. Thank you for this. Uh, Florida State is currently seven and four, but they're six and zero at home. They're somehow being at home at Florida State. If only maybe that would translate over to football, but basketball and softball, they got it on lock. Um, but yes, make sure you guys, if you want any kind of softball uh, news or kind of updates on any kind of end there, make sure you guys go follow Jackie on Twitter at ya. Y-A already, Noel, N-O-L-E, of course. Make sure you go. You guys go follow her. She's great. She's awesome. Um, most certainly a good follow Thanks, to have Logan. throughout the season, of course. But thank you for coming on with us. Of course. I'm glad to be here. All right. We're back. Definitely appreciate Jackie coming on and talking some softball with us. We'll most certainly get her on, uh, hopefully, throughout the rest of the softball season uh, because she knows way more from what I just <laughs> listened. She knows way more <laughs> than all of us do. Dustin will try to chime in, but he doesn't know that much, let's be honest. Uh, All right, so let's jump into basketball. Obviously, Austin is the king at this, Dustin also. So I get to chime in a little bit too. So Florida State uh, is going to be – they came off of a win uh, this past – was Monday, Tuesday? Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. Um, Tuesday. Um, and where do you, where do you, what do you think about the, the win? Wait, we have a lot of recaps. So yeah, we've got, we've got two recaps. We haven't recorded since before the Pittsburgh yeah. or the Syracuse game. I'm over here flip-flopping, but obviously Florida State gets its revenge most recently against Pittsburgh, but we need to go ahead and jump back to the Syracuse game. Yeah. The Syracuse game was a little weird because then Vassell was announced that he wasn't going to be in the starting lineup. Some people just thought, Oh, he's going to come off the bench and then he doesn't play all game. The announcers are saying, yeah, Coach Ham isn't happy with him. They're not in a great place right now. And everyone's kind of like, what, what the hell did Devin do? And we still have no idea. Yeah, I was going to ask you because I've got messages. And I said, well, I'm not the best person to ask. So I was going to ask you on the podcast, do you have any idea where that might have came from? Or just kind of just... I have absolutely no idea. I asked a lot of people. And you know how Coach Ham's staff is. They're not going to say anything. Yeah, um, as they probably don't need to. Yeah, the best guess I could have is with all the NBA NBA guys coming in town, he missed curfew. That's really the only thing I could really guess. Um, yeah. But other than that, mm. if it's anything other than that, I'd be surprised just because Devin's not really that kind of kid. Yeah. Um, it, it was really surprising. And then about f- five or ten minutes in the game, MJ Walker gets a friendly fireball from Dominic Olenichuk. He goes out for the next 20 minutes with a busted lip, gets 12 stitches, comes back, hits some really clutch threes late in the game to get FSU back in it because Syracuse had battled back, got the lead with a few minutes left, and Florida State was forced to come back. Uh, Walker ended up with 15. Patrick Williams had a great game with 17 points. Um, it was a monumental win not only for the season, but Coach Hamilton became fifth all-time in ACC wins, and the 2016 recruiting class became the winningest class in program history. Um, 
it was a much needed win, especially and especially when you can win without Devin Vassell and MJ Walker for a good portion of the game. That just speaks to the depth FSU has. They still scored 80 points against Syracuse's 2-3 zone with Trent Forrest, Anthony Polite, Patrick Williams, uh, Wyatt Wilkes. Just everybody pitching in from everywhere. I think five guys finished in double figures, which is very impressive for Florida State. Do you think, do you think Walker's kind of getting that momentum rocking for him right now? Yeah, Walker's a dog. He started out slow in this past game against Pitt, but that was because he had the mask on that kind of looked like Bane, and you could tell he wasn't quite comfortable. Um, but once he took it off, he was attacking. He was getting to the rim. He was doing what he wanted. He's really put in his best effort defensively. I mean, he's on the floor. He's not letting anybody pass him. That's what I love to see. And that confidence he's getting from defense is translating to his offensive game where he's starting to hit the threes we've always wanted him to hit, and he's starting to become a more consistent player, which, again, he's he was a five-star McDonald's All-American. This is what he's supposed to be. Florida State also beats Pittsburgh at home. This seems to be just a regular trend, which is very nice, obviously. Florida State also, real quick, announced that the bottom bowls of the Tuck have already been sold out, which I think is freaking phenomenal. That's awesome. Shout out to Tallahassee and FSU fans. Good, because this team deserves it. But what really matters the most, which Austin put in here, is that they won, but were also wearing the sexy in seven uniforms. And they announced they're going to be selling them in October, which yeah. is awesome. That's... I was so happy when I read that. Mm-hmm. I believe Garnet and Gold will be selling those once uh, the fall comes, which shout out to them. They always are advertising with us on our website. So Garnet and Gold, if you're going to get them, go to Garnet and Gold. But yeah, those uniforms are sexy as hell. And, you know, it, I, I don't know what it is. Those colors just match beautifully. And the only thing that wasn't sexy about that game was Pittsburgh's gold uniforms. Those were horrible <laughs> the worst trees i think i've seen all year <laughs> it was quite the clash of colors but at florida state started out slow in that game they were down 12 to 5 in the first few minutes and then after that they went to a zone of all things defensively and pittsburgh just had no idea what to do they were turning it over missing a lot of easy shots just because they weren't used to being open um and florida state was able to tra- translate that to transition points and easy baskets on the other end then the second half, it was all Florida State. They broke it wide open. They were up by 22, I think, at one point before the walk-ons came in. Um, anytime the classless, classless Caucasians can come in, it's a pretty good game. <laughs> Every scholarship player scored for Florida State, including Nate Jack, who had a three at the end of the game. But And on top of that, only three players were in double figures. Pat with 16, Trent with 10, and Polite with 10. The balance throughout the lineup was unbelievable. You love seeing it. Um, and it's always great getting revenge, especially to that first loss of the season. Yeah, It's great getting that, that win back, even if they should have won the first game. The foul discrepancy was still huge in this game. I think Pitt had, 20, yeah, they had 26 free throws to Florida State's 12. And Florida State still won by 15. Wow. That's huge. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Anytime you can overcome the ACC officials, it's a great game. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is very true. Coming up for Florida State, up next is NC State, who just most recently obviously had a gigantic win against number six Duke in Raleigh, 88 to 66. NC State is currently 17 and 9, 8 and 7 in the conference. And we were talking about this before we even started recording in our meeting. Austin's a little nervous about this game, gentlemen and women and whatever else you call yourselves. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 
I'm a little iffy going in this game, and it's not just because of the Duke game. I think going back even to my before-the-season preview where I went through every single game and gave my predictions, I think even then I had this as a loss just because I really like NC State's offense. When, they're, when their team's fully healthy, they have so many options between C.J. Bryce, who's averaging almost 14 points a game, Mark Hill Johnson, who's averaging 13, D.J. Funderburk's averaging 12.5, Devin Daniels is averaging 12.5, uh, Braxton Beverly's another good player. They have eight guys that all play double-digit minutes. They've all had starting time. They have four players shooting above 33% from three. Um, they can score in bunches, and again, when they're fully healthy, they're really tough to beat. I'm not just saying this because of the Duke game. They're a good team, um, and they need, like we've been saying all year, they need this win to stay in the tournament or in the tournament run. And I, I think they might. I think it's going to end up being a pick'em when the spread's announced. If not, it's only going to be a one or two point spread. Um, NC State doesn't leave the state of North Carolina the rest of the season, so they've got a chance to get some get some wins. Um, and they really need this win. They really do. They've got a lot of great players, and they're going to give us a fight. I'll ask you, who needs to have a good game on Florida State's side in order to come away with the win, since you're really worried about this one? I think Florida State's bigs are going to need to have a big, a good game. Malik Osborne, Dom, Dominic Linichuk, and Boston Kopravica. Funderburk and Manny Bryce, or Manny Bates, sorry, are both two really talented bigs. That have given a lot of teams trouble. They gave Duke tons of trouble on Wednesday night. Um, so how Florida State can match up with their bigs, and of course Florida State's guards are going to have to do well against Devin Daniels, C.J. Bryce, and Mark Hill Johnson. Um, but Mark Hill Johnson's had troubles with us in the past, so I'm not too worried about it. So I really think it's going to come down to how Florida State plays those post players like Funderburk and Bates. You want to make a prediction for this one since you and Dustin usually do make a score yeah. prediction. So then we can roast you if you're completely wrong. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm sure I will be no matter which way I go with this. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be a really tough game. I don't think this is going to be like the Louisville game where Florida State comes in and smacks them by double digits. Um, but I also don't think it's going to be a, the pick game where it's a super grinded out game and you're wondering where the points are going to come from. I think this is going to be a fairly high scoring affair. Both teams are scoring about 75 points per game. Florida State's defense is a little bit better. If NC State's not getting those steals and blocks, which they do do, which they do force a lot of steals and blocks, they're not getting those points come easy against them. Um, I think this is going to be somewhere around the 80 to 78 range. Who wins? Uh, I'm leaning NC State right now. That could flip-flop by the time I write my preview tomorrow night. <laughs> but right now I'm leaning towards NC State, sadly. All right, since uh, you picked FSU to lose, I'm going to stay on the good side with all of our FSU listeners and pick FSU to win this game, <laughs> even though I don't think I've given a prediction all season. Like you did for guys. Duke, which, okay. of course, we lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so 0 maybe, for 1. Maybe I should flip up and say that NC State will win <laughs> and FSU We'll end up winning. I don't know. But feel pos- I feel positive about this game. As long as Devin Vassell and Leonard Hamilton are to get it out, you know, having a little bit of fun. Maybe if Austin might be predicting it right, if he had a little fun with the – you know, I would love to have fun if um, those cats came in. I don't know if anybody else saw the picture of the former Knowles coming in. Man, God, I would love to see a game with them. Wouldn't that be phenomenal? They had a lot of former Knowles from 
all different kinds of classes come in. Most of them, most recent, uh, last what? How many years? Eight? I think they were all from the last Eight? four years. Because on Saturday you had Bacon, Terrence Mann, PJ, Quez, Ojo, Kamaji. Ojo wasn't there. Mm. Um, and then on Tuesday Malik Beasley was there, and he was uh, given his jersey that he wasn't given after he left I mean, after one was. done. That just shows how much friggin' talent that Leonard Hamilton's yeah. bringing in. Then I was thinking yeah. maybe older. I'm wrong. Speaking of speaking of former Knowles, too, real quick, uh, Dwayne Bacon. Obviously, everybody knows that name pretty well. Uh, he sets a franchise record for the Greensboro Swarm and drops 51 points. Man, actually, he held the previous record in Swarm history. At 45 points. So he breaks his own record. He snaps off on Wednesday. How about that? Bacon just li- uh, lighten it up in the G League. Yeah, not, not only setting the franchise record, but he's got the scoring high for the entire league going into this that season. That is correct. Um, it's good for him. It's It's been such a weird season for Dwayne Bacon. I pointed this out on Twitter, I think, yesterday. He started out the season starting games for the Charlotte Hornets. Then he doesn't play entire games and he gets back in the starting lineup scores 25 against the Warriors then he's out of the rotation again and now he's in the G League dropping 51 points it's such a weird season I think at this point I've I've heard rumors he may have asked for the G League assignment and I think he's just trying to put some things on tape so he can get that second contract because there are teams out there that need players like him Orlando could definitely use a score of his potential um, yeah, seeing anybody drop 51 is crazy but for to have it be a former Noel is obviously pretty great most certainly, and you know we need some kind of hookup and networking, Austin, to get him on the on the line. I don't know what you're doing, what kind of time you're wasting, what you're doing at home, but I need Dwayne Bacon on the pod. So I'll see know. what I can do. <laughs> networking man, uh, but I think that's going to do it for us. We're not going to go through our trivia as usual. We're not, or we're not going to go through our trivia and our fun facts because uh, Dustin's not here, um, but. Once, well, the team will be back together, I guarantee you, at the start of next week. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, thanks so much for everyone coming in and listening. If you're new, always try to hit that, if you will, hit that subscribe button so then you'll be notified whenever we upload. Oh, actually, wait, wait, wait I can't skip anything. We have questions real quick that we need to go over. I'm just now remembering that. That's, I just about skipped the questions real quick. Embarrassing. Yeah, these, I know. That, that was pretty sad. This is from our boy Richie Barnes, uh, also the just phenomenal producer for the Rollcast. Uh, he asks to Austin throw the ACC tourney and lose in the first game to rest up for the dance, Coach K style or nah? It really depends. Well, let, let me Englishif, Englishify yeah. this question a little bit. He's saying should we lose the first game of the ACC tournament to get some rest for the main tournament? It really depends on what kind of position Florida State's in going into the ACC tournament. If they're kind of resting between a two and three seed, play it out, try and get that two seed because you're going to get a lot more favorable draws. If they're locked into a two seed, yeah, maybe. I wouldn't be upset with it, honestly. Um, and we saw it two years ago when Florida State lost the first game against Louisville in the ACC tournament. Then they go all the way to the Elite Eight. It's four points away from a Final Four. Whereas last year, you could tell the team was pretty tired going into that Sweet 16 matchup against Gonzaga. Granted, they're banged up too, but 
it really just depends on what kind of position Florida State's in going into the ACC tournament. This next question comes from my good friend, close friend here in town, Patrick174311. You need to stop with all those numbers, Patrick. Get rid of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he asks uh, a pretty interesting question here. What are the odds Coach Ham pulls a top five recruiting class for 2021? I think it's a little too early to say. Um, obviously, we're off to a great start with Bryce McGowan, who's averaging like 36 points a game in his last few games. Um, Jesus. Yeah, we're up there with some pretty good high fives with Musa Chise and some others. I think the odds are pretty good. Um, I think top 10 is almost a – I'm not going to say a lock because nothing's a lock when it comes to recruiting, and these are 17-year-olds at this point. But I think the chances are really good Florida State ends up with a top five class for 2021. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening. Listen to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube. Uh, if you're on any of those platforms, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Also, if you're on iTunes, feel free to rate, uh, or if you feel like it, you can rate us five stars and leave a review, and we will shout you out on the next podcast. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I don't think that's. I think that's pretty much it. Nothing much else. Uh, Dustin sissied out and, you know, actually felt like this podcast was really nice without him. I don't know about you, Austin, but that was really smooth. Yeah, it was, it was smooth. There was no banter. Well, I mean, there was some banter, but he, he gets yeah. in the way sometimes. Yeah, no disgusting foul mouthness from him either. <laughs> Just you terrible. made it a few times. <laughs> I did. I did do that. <laughs> I've, had, I've, had a nice, I've had a nice day today, so I was letting it slide a little bit. Um, but, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Y'all have a great rest of y'all's week and a great start of y'all's weekend.